said the Lady Jane Grey, Ninety's Queen, I do wash my hands in innocency, and the face of you good Christian people this day. Hello and welcome once more to the History Obscura podcast, where we delight in digging up the filthy and forgotten past and putting it in plain view for your entertainment. Now, take a seat and put on your listening glasses. Once upon a time, an Austrian-Hungarian man named Ignaz Semmelweis was studying for a law degree, and then he became bored. Instead of law, Semmelweis thought, perhaps he would enjoy a different subject, such as medicine. So he switched his university program and graduated with a medical degree from the University of Vienna in 1844. Then he hit another bump in the road. As it turned out, jobs in medical pathology were hard to come by at this time and struggling to find a vocational placement that suited his degree and interests, Semmelweis eventually found a job as an obstetrician at the Vienna Hospital. Obstetrics were a new area of specialty for physicians, as the field was traditionally kept to the hands of skilled midwives. That, of course, made the job less prestigious and more achievable for a young new doctor, who began his professional work in Vienna on July 1st of 1846. In those days, the leading cause of maternal mortality in Europe was puerperal fever, also called childbed fever. The sickness was an infection that killed postpartum women. Puerperal fever was a devastating disease and it affected women within the first three days after childbirth and progressed rapidly, causing acute symptoms of severe abdominal pain, fever, and debility. In the early part of the 19th century, about one in a hundred women died in childbirth at the Vienna Hospital. After 1823, however, two decades before Dr. Semmelweis took up his post, the number jumped to an average of more than seven deaths out of every 100 new mothers. Semmelweis was aware of this problem and set out to investigate. There were two divisions of the obstetrics ward at Vienna Hospital, and two very different mortality rates for each. One ward, attended primarily by female midwives, had a much better chance of postpartum survival for its patients. The second division, attended by male physicians, of which Semmelweis was one, still held the drastically higher rate of mortality. The doctor went about his investigations logically. He examined all the similarities and differences of the two obstetrics divisions of the hospital, and right away he discovered several features that differed between the two. In the midwives' clinic, women gave birth on their sides, while in the doctor's clinic, women gave birth on their backs. So the doctor had patients in his own division give birth on their sides. The result was to no effect. 
Then, the doctor noticed that whenever someone in his division died of childbed fever, a priest would walk slowly through the doctor's clinic, past the women's beds, with an attendant ringing a bell. This time, Semmelweis theorized that the priest and the bell ringing so terrified the women after birth that they developed a fever, got sick, and then died. So, he had the priest change his route and stop ringing the bell. This also had no effect. Frustrated and in need of a break, Semmelweis took leave from his hospital duties and traveled to Venice, hoping that a vacation and some good classical art might clear his head. Unfortunately, when the doctor returned to the hospital, he discovered that one of his colleagues and friends, a pathologist named Jacob Kolechka, had fallen ill and died. It turned out that Kolechka died after receiving a scalpel wound while performing an autopsy on a woman who died of puerperal fever. His autopsy revealed another massive infection from the same fever. This was a revelation. Childbed fever was now not just something only women in childbirth got. It was something other people in the hospital could get sick from as well. Remember that at this time, the general belief that was bad odors or miasmas transmitted disease, and it would still be more than two decades before germ theory, the idea that microbes cause disease, gained traction. With a contagiousness now established, Semmelweis concluded that if his friend's general sepsis arose from the inoculation of cadaver particles, then puerperal fever must originate from the same source. The fact of the matter is that the transmitting source of those cadaver particles was to be found in the hands of the students and attending physicians. No midwives ever participated in autopsies or dissections, whereas student doctors and physicians regularly went between autopsies and deliveries, rarely washing their hands in between. Gloves were not commonly used in hospitals or surgeries until late in the 19th century. With this data, Semmelweis was now fixated on the existence of tiny sickness particles as well as their scent, so he did what he could to remove both from his hands with chlorinated lime water. That's chlorine, the active ingredient in today's friendly household bleach. Starting in May of 1847, anyone entering the first division of the Vienna Hospital had to wash their hands in a bowl of chloride solution. The incidence of puerperal fever and death subsequently dropped precipitously by the end of the year, to under 1%. However, other doctors were upset because Semmelweis's hypothesis made it look like they were the ones giving childbed fever to their patients. They did not appreciate this, nor were they happy to use Semmelweis's data and methods in their own clinics. For his part, Dr. Semmelweis was not very tactful. He publicly berated people who disagreed with him and made some influential enemies. 
Eventually, the pioneering handwasher was fired from the hospital, and everyone went back to their old unsanitary habits. Because, evidently, it really is just that impossible to trust the numbers, and that impossible to wash one's hands. Semmelweis moved on, trying to convince doctors in other parts of Europe to wash with chlorine, but no one would listen. Beginning in 1861, the doctor suffered from various nervous complaints, including severe depression and absent-mindedness. He turned every conversation to the topic of childbed fever. After a number of unfavorable foreign reviews of his book, Semmelweis lashed out against his critics in a series of open letters. They were addressed to various prominent European obstetricians, including Spath, Scanzoni, Siebold, and, to quote, all obstetricians. The letters were bitter, desperate, and full of fury, and highly polemical and superlatively offensive, to quote one review. At times, he denounced his critics as irresponsible murderers or ignoramuses. He called upon Siebold to arrange a meeting of German obstetricians somewhere in Germany to provide a forum for discussions on corporal fever, where he would stay until all have been converted to his theory. In mid-1865, Semmelweis's public behavior became exasperating and embarrassing to his associates. He also had begun to drink immoderately and spend progressively more time away from his family and in the company of prostitutes. On July 13th of 1865, the Semmelweis family visited friends and during the visit, Semmelweis's behavior seemed particularly inappropriate. His affliction has been of some debate, and according to Codil Carter in his biography of Semmelweis, his exact nature cannot be determined. He said, It is impossible to appraise the nature of Semmelweis's disorder. It might have been Alzheimer's disease, a type of dementia associated with rapid cognitive decline and mood changes. It might have been third-stage syphilis, a then-common disease of obstetricians who examined thousands of women at gratis institutions, or it might have been emotional exhaustion from overwork and stress. In 1865, a colleague wrote a document referring Semmelweis to a mental institution. On July of that year, Ferdinand Richard von Hebra lured him, under the pretense of visiting one of Hebra's new institutes, to a Viennese insane asylum. Semmelweis realized what was happening and tried to leave, at which point he was beaten severely by several guards, secured in a straitjacket and confined to a darkened cell. Treatments at the mental institution included dousing with cold water and administering castor oil. The doctor died after two weeks, on the 13th of August, 1865, aged just 47, from a gangrenous wound due to an infection on his right hand which might have been caused by the struggle. The autopsy gave the cause of death as blood poisoning. 
Semmelweis was buried in Vienna on the 15th of August, 1865, and only a few people attended the service. Brief announcements of his death appeared in a few medical periodicals in Vienna and Budapest. Although the rules of Hungarian Association of Physicians and Natural Scientists specified that a commemorative address be delivered in honor of a member who had died, there was no address for Semmelweis, and his death was never even mentioned. Janos Diescher was appointed Semmelweis's successor at the Pest University Maternity Clinic, and immediately, mortality rates increased sixfold to six percent. But the physicians of Budapest said nothing. There were no inquiries and no protests. The remains of the doctor were transferred to Budapest in 1891, but on the 11th of October in 1964, they were transferred once more to the house in which he was born. That house is now a historical museum and library that honor the doctor. If you'd like to honor Ignaz Semmelweis, you can do so by washing your hands, especially before performing surgery. I know I always do. Good night.